0: Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski, And this is the next in the series of fracture podcasts, and it's going to focus on the humerus. Now, previously, we had forearm and wrist fractures and elbow fractures, and elbow fractures contain supracondylar humeral fractures, which, yes, they're in the humerus, but they're kind of part of the elbow, and, well, semantics aside, this is... Episode is going to focus mainly on mid shaft and proximal humeral fractures, which represent about 10% of all fractures in kids. And if you haven't done so already, listen to the forearm episode because it gives a good overview of the neurovascular assessment of the arm. It's amazing how well humeral fractures of the proximal or mid portion of the shaft can remodel and heal on their own with minimal or no deformity. It's amazing. Above the supracondylar portion, the humerus has a very thick periosteal sleeve, so it can angulate quite a bit and heal very well on its own. There is the risk for radial nerve injuries in mid or proximal humeral shaft fractures, but these are usually temporary neuropraxias which get better on their own. In babies, the humerus is actually the second most commonly fractured bone from birth trauma, second only to the clavicle. And in infants and young children, Enough force to break the humerus should make you worry about non-accidental trauma. So this is not a child abuse-focused podcast. It's really going to be focused on injuries that occur in the context of falls and normal trauma. So let's start with the mid-shaft of the humerus. This happens most commonly in older kids, and it's either from a foosh or a direct blow, like in a motor vehicle collision or if they're smacked accidentally with a baseball bat during warm-ups. You can see pathologic fractures if the child has a bone, cyst, or benign lesions in their arm. As expected, you'll have pain in the middle of the arm and swelling. Note that you can have a pretty large hematoma in this region because of all of the meat and soft tissue there, so that can often belie the presence of a fracture or make you think that you have one when you don't. You need AP and lateral x-rays of the humerus, and make sure that you include the joint above and below. If a child has a mid-shaft fracture of the humerus, you want to immobilize them in a sling and swath for little kids or a shoulder immobilizer. Adolescents and older children can be placed in a hanging long arm cast or a coaptation splint. This is basically like a sugar tongue for the upper arm. The bottom part of the U goes around the lower part of the elbow. Obviously, if the fracture is open or if there's neurovascular injury, you want to consult orthopedics immediately. If the Midshaft humerus is completely displaced, and the angulation is greater than 20 degrees in children or greater than 10 degrees in adolescents. which fortunately is rarely seen. You want to consult orthopedics immediately as well. Closed reduction is almost never needed, um, and open or even rarer still. If you have a fracture that isn't significantly displaced, not very angulated, that can be seen by a pediatric orthopedist within 7 to 10 days. The outcomes are great for these fractures. Let's move up the arm to talk about proximal humeral fractures, which represent less than 5% of all pediatric fractures. Just like mid-shaft humeral fractures, these remodel incredibly well, and they often occur secondary to a fall on an outstretched hand. It's more likely that you're going to get the forearm or the elbow in that mechanism, but if you don't and you hit the angle just right, you might fracture the proximal humerus. Now the proximal part of the humerus articulates with the glenoid of the scapula, which makes up the shoulder joint. The physis at the proximal humerus accounts for about 80% of the humeral growth, and it closes around age 16 to 19, so it's a very forgiving part of the arm that continues to grow for a while. Assessing for proximal humeral fractures requires AP and lateral x-rays of the humerus, and if you're worried about the shoulder, three views of that joint as well, and that would include a scapula Y view, the AP glenohumeral view, and the axillary view. Don't mistake an anterior inferior shoulder dislocation for a proximal humerus fracture and vice versa. These fractures can tolerate tons of angulation, Less than five-year-olds, you can tolerate up to 70 degrees and not need to reduce. Five to 12-year-olds, 40 to 70 degrees, and greater than 12 years of age, up to 40 degrees of angulation and 50% displacement can be tolerated without need for reduction. And there's no real guidelines for reduction of these, and kids generally don't need it because they're not going to break it enough to angle it. Um, Adolescents may have physio fractures, and these are most common salter harris, too. For most of these patients, you can sling and swathe or place in a shoulder immobilizer with gentle pendulum exercises started at 2-4 to weeks. You want to consult orthopedics immediately if you have a fracture plus a shoulder dislocation, which is super rare and occurs only in high-impact injuries like car accidents or super high falls, anything that's open, a neurovascular injury, which again is really, really rare, but you can see an axillary nerve injury, or if it's completely displaced in an adolescent. Otherwise, follow up in seven to 10 days. All right, so that's all that I've got on mid and proximal humeral shaft fractures. Know that in general, the vast majority of these injuries do not need an orthopedic consult unless they are supremely angulated, open, have vascular injury, or are super duper displaced. A sling and swath, a shoulder immobilizer, or even a hanging arm cast or appropriate management, And for most of these patients, they can be seen in the ED, treated with ibuprofen for pain control, and followed up with orthopedics within about seven to 10 days. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and check out the other episodes of the fracture series. Certainly listen to the forearm episode to get a good overview of the neurovascular assessment, which is a key technique to have whenever you're assessing an upper extremity injury. Check out PEM Blog for more great educational content, including seven years' worth of Fracture Fridays posts. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio content, or send me feedback at PEMtweets on Twitter. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Sobolewski. See you next time.